Welcome to Joy Field and Jesus Led. I'm your host, Tony Daniels, sharing real life stories and practical tools that not only let you know you're not alone, but also help you become the emotional, spiritual ninja warrior you were created to be. While I'm wrapping up a surprise season on child level maturity, last week reminded us all that underneath our child level maturity is the attachment level or the infant level maturity. And I mentioned how Crispin Mayfield's book, Attached to God, was helping reveal areas in my life where I still struggle with a healthy connection with God. In this episode, I have the immense privilege of interviewing Crispin. Crispin Crispin Mayfield has a background in full-time ministry and is now in private practice as a licensed professional counselor in Oregon. He's trained in attachment-based, emotionally focused therapy and applies his expertise passionately in the area of faith, wanting the gospel to be good news for those who have been harmed the most by life. Now, before I hit record on the interview, Crispin and I checked in with how we were feeling, and then we spent some time in silence, quieting and listening to God together. I think Crispin enjoyed it a little too much because his computer dropped the call and he was so engrossed in silence that he didn't even realize I was no longer there. So once I got him back on the call, he shared how wonderful that time was and how it had allowed him to get in touch with the anger he feels over how toxic theology has contributed to the people of God insecurely attaching to God and to each other. Listen in as Crispin shares a bit of that with us today. Hope you enjoy. So today I have a special guest with me. Um, I have Crispin Mayfield. Hi, Crispin. Good morning. I'm so glad to be chatting with you. Thanks so much for being here. So I'm going to start with a check-in um, because that helps me ground myself a little bit and connects us a little bit so that we can pay better attention to each other um, and to God even on our call and our interview today because the topics that we're going to be talking about, I think are really weighty. I think they're very weighty. And at the same time, you strike me as someone who loves to have fun and I do too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's helpful because to, to bear some of the weight that we have, joy is just necessary. That glad to be together, even in it, right? Even in the mess, even in the grief, even in the anger, even in whatever comes, we're glad to be together. So anyway, I'm going to check in. I am super excited. I'm so excited that I'm like soothing myself on the inside and <laughs> imagining Jesus just holding me and like calming me down because otherwise I won't pay attention to you. I'll be too excited to do that. So um, I'm excited. Um, and yeah, I, I am honored, feeling very honored as well to be able to mm. be here today. So that's me. I'm in. What about you? How are you feeling today? Yeah, I am. I'm excited to, to talk about uh, attachment and really like what are the ways that the um, that our faith communities can be healing. Um, and you know, a lot of times the church has churches have missed that. Um, and I'll just be vulnerable and share. <laughs> I'm an Enneagram nine, which means I have a lot of anger and I'm not, uh, always aware of it. And, um, and so coming into this conversation, um, I, it just, as I was reflecting on the how much I really long for people to really experience healing and experience mm -hmm. good news 
when it comes to to Jesus, when it comes to that relationship with Jesus, when it comes to reading the Bible, when it comes to gathering together. And uh, there's some anger that comes up for me about how often real, uh, churches have missed that. And uh, as a nine, I'm like, um, you know, I want to see all sides. And so uh, there's this part of me that's like, well, you know, the religious leaders or, you know, pastors are, um, they're part of the system that, you know, still needs healing. Um, but I also want to acknowledge like the, the anger there of like, it does get missed and the consequences of missing how to be a really healthy healing community is that people that really are coming into that community looking for healing and looking for um, a healthy community to be a part of, um, they miss that sometimes. That, you know, they, they lose out on that opportunity and people get hurt. Yeah. So you're coming into this. We did have a little bit of time before I pushed record where we listened a little bit to, to mm -hmm. God and to ourselves. And, and you, you kind of realized, wow, I, I think I've got some anger here around uh, this particular issue in, in, in particular, specifically. Um, mm -hmm. So Crispin, one of the things that I, that I'm curious about, you know, you've been on a million podcasts and you've rehashed this book. I don't know how many times and um, the book attached to God <laughs> is the book in case someone hasn't heard already. <laughs> I did <laughs> last, last podcast was about your book, by the way, and me processing some of my own mm -hmm. attachment issues with it. So I have okay. like previewed for everyone that you were yeah. going to be here today. Um, but you know, what, what has not been said yet? You know, what is on your heart that hasn't really, you haven't had the chance to say yet that you really feel like, and maybe you've started it a little bit now, but, mm -hmm. but what else is, is there that you want to say? Yeah. So one thing that I did with the book is I really tried to stay true to the research um, and looking at what is it when it comes to having an insecure relationship with God, when it comes to um, you know, having this view of God, that God is, um, it, it can look different for different people, but God is always judging me. God is always disappointed in me. Um, you know, those things that make it really hard to want to connect with God or, or want to have that closeness. Um, a lot of the research shows that, um, that a lot of that has to do with the family you grew up in. And I look at that as sort of like a protective factor against some of the toxic theology. In other words, I think that sometimes we get toxic theology told to us, mm. um, wow. you know, things like, yeah, you know, uh, God doesn't really like you. Um, God will like you when you're more holy, but God doesn't like you as you are now. My guess is that some people, if you grew up in a healthy family, you're like, well, I'm not going to really take that seriously. <laughs> like I know on a body level what it means to be loved and accepted. And I'm going to walk in that experience rather wow. than taking that in. Um, but I think that if you, like me, grew up in a dysfunctional family, you hear that and you're like, like you oh. and the rest of the world. I'm right. exactly. <laughs> well, it's funny because I have a, I have a friend of mine, therapist in the office next door. You know, we have really similar um, church upbringings, you know, but we experience God, you know, our, mm -hmm. our work around experiencing God has looked really different. And God, uh, she's always experienced God as like 
on her side um, and, and there for her. And for me, it's like, God's always there uh, looking over my shoulder, making sure I'm doing the right thing, ready to judge me if I'm doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just going to say when I was in Uruguay, the priests, uh, I trained with um, Jesuit priests when I was down there mm. and they literally drew a big eye on the chalkboard. And they said when they were children, they literally were taught, this is the eye of God and he's going to see everything you do bad. Mm, <laughs> you know, and uh -huh. it was this shame, you know, fear-based sort of relationship with God. And I couldn't yeah. believe they actually did that. You know, like, it just uh -huh. me. Right. Well, yeah. have you, have you sung, be careful little eyes, what you see <laughs> recently? <laughs> My goodness. Okay, yeah. sorry. So yes, yes. And you 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 brilliantly point these things out in the book of you know people that we admire and look mm. to, but yet how twisted their theology was. And right. what I'm hearing you say right now is somehow the church justifies that twisted theology because they can blame families, dysfunctional families for all this. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, well, if you if you're hearing it that way. Then that's be you know if you have a hard time trusting God, that's because your your father failed you, and you need to go to therapy for that. Um, wow, as opposed to we have failed you. <laughs> right. Exactly, and and I do I I do uh, you know quote a few uh, theologians and pastors and authors, and it wasn't because I was like trying to pick on evangelicals. Um, a lot of these folks are evangelicals. Uh, it's because um, it was really important to me to um, to be able to say, hey, here's the you've heard this before. You're not making this up. You're not. This isn't from your family. You're bringing this into it. You know, there are actually people that say things, um, wow. you know, say wow. things like, uh, you know, like Francis Chan saying, you know, God is um, God. Uh, your worry and uh, stress reek of arrogance to God that from an attachment perspective, I really picked up on that because it's such visceral language. Like you are disgusting to God when you're worried or stressed. Right. And so, wow. um, and I think what's, what is so confusing for people is like, well, I hear these messages all the time of God loves you. God accepts you as you are. God is there for you. God is forgiving. So then it's like, but why don't I feel that way? And it was important for me to say, well, yeah, there, you know, it's usually not the front and center message, but it's there. Yeah. Yes. Um, so beautiful. And, you know, I want you to know, um, your book hit my hands at the right moment, of course, as you know, in Providence, but I had just come out of a counseling session with my 20 year old daughter, 21 year old daughter, um, who has struggled tremendously um, uh, over the years with, I mean, we were terrible, not terrible parents. We were great parents. We did the best we could do, but we had major mm -hmm. insecure attachment issues going on when she was young. So, mm -hmm. um, and then life hit her as well. But all that to say, I'm in this therapy session. Um, it's a mediated session, uh, literally the week before I got your book. And she looks at me and she says, you loved God more than you loved me. And I hate you for it. And I sat there and thankfully I didn't, I wasn't defensive on the inside. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, no, I didn't. You know, I just got curious and went, wow, I wonder what that even means if that's really true. And so I walked away from that session and read your book <laughs> pretty much the next week. 
And you, and you share about Tozer's story, right? And Tozer, yes. I mean, Pursuit of God was like the discipleship curriculum when I was 15, right? So like mm-hmm. I was raised on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and of course I had this very anxious attachment anyway. And so um, it gave me, it was a grace orientation, first of all. So thank you, because I didn't feel like, oh, I'm this horrible person, right? Mm-hmm. I went, oh, well, this makes sense now because look, Tozer was my model. And mm-hmm. it just hit perfect for me. So naturally, and for me too, it was that I, um, I, I, I needed to feel close to God. I needed to feel connected. Connection was not a bad thing. I needed to feel it. And the only mm-hmm. way I could feel it was if I was constantly trying to receive from God, right? And trying mm-hmm. to, you know, this, you, you call it like exhausting work or something. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, exhausting I, pursuit. <laughs> right. I just think of, uh, you know, the, 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 met, the image that I use throughout the book for that anxious attachment is like the kid that's clinging to mom's skirt. Or the balloon, the balloon uh-huh. is so right. good. Uh-huh. It's so good. So good. So yes. Um, yeah, it was absolutely. So it helped me a lot. It, it revealed mm-hmm. a lot for me. Mm-hmm. And now I can go into the next session with my daughter, you know, completely, you know, like, yeah, you're right. You're mm-hmm. right. With no shame, right? No shame. Mm-hmm. But just, just being able to go. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. And thank God right. I don't have to do that anymore. Right. So yeah. anyway, all that to say, if, if you had to say then the one thing that you would like to see happen as a result of not just this book, because I'm sure this is just the beginning of your career and your, your work that you will contribute to the world in this, in this topic. But what one thing would you like to see happen as a result of, of, of you stewarding well, this anger that's inside of you? I think that, um, really I, I want to validate uh, the experience of people that have really suffered in spiritual communities wow. um, to say, wow, it's not, it, this isn't okay. The, the things that you've been taught or the things that you, that mm-hmm. have been um, the way that your uh, experience has been minimized or pathologized or, you know, whatever it is. Um, wow. Because I, I, in fact, I'll share something that was really helpful for I don't know if helpful is the right word transformative for me Mm. is I went through um, this training for emotionally focused therapy which is an attachment-based therapy for couples Um, and a lot of what we do is we help people organize their experience and understand their experience just like what you said right so it's like yeah this didn't work very well but I can see that what was driving it was my attachment system was this need for connection Mm -hmm. and so we look at that with um with couples um you know yeah you might get really angry and that anger is actually saying I need you come back here (laughs) Of course, your partner, it might look like, go get away from me. I don't like you. Um, But that's the work we do in therapy is to be able to recognize, oh, this actually makes sense. It makes sense that you feel this way. And how can you understand it in yourself and then communicate it to others? So I was in this place where um, there was just this... um, idea of like yeah whatever you feel it makes sense we can make sense of it together Mm. um 
it's okay. There, there's space for it. And, and, you know, even within that context, it doesn't mean that behaviors are okay. It doesn't mean hurting right. people is okay, but it means that we can, we can understand it. And uh, Mr. Rogers, if you're like, um, <laughs> Mr. Rogers, is, loves Mr. Rogers. Uh-huh, he's a great <laughs> he example. Too. I wonder uh, if nines in particular, yeah, like Mr. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like Mr. Rogers, he says, you know, um, whatever's mention whatever is human is mentionable and whatever is mentionable is manageable mm-hmm. um and if you're familiar with dan siegel you mentioned earlier right um we just know that being able to get in touch with our experience and share it with someone else yeah. is so important it is so, so if you could see that if you let's say um people are feeling validated obviously my story was uh, a testimony of that very thing happening and i didn't even know that was your one thing but if you know p- you're seeing people validated their experience having suffered in spiritual community they're they're starting to get vocabulary for it based off this book and whatever is to come and everything you're already doing they're starting to talk about it more they're starting to um, you know, grieve even in healthy ways and be together in healthier ways and feel more connected. What about that is the most important thing for you? And, and how would it, how would it change you if that started to happen? I think that's the main thing. How would that change you if that started, if you started seeing that? Yeah, I, I think that, um, my mind goes in a lot of different directions because there are a lot of, a lot of things. Um, I, I think one thing would be, um, for people to, to find an honest, authentic, intimate way to talk to God about these things. And, and I want to acknowledge not everyone's there. Um, and I think that's okay too. I think it's okay if you're like, I need some space from God right now. I think, I think God totally understands that. Mm -hmm. Um, But my hope is that people would be able to have these honest prayers. Like I've had where I tell God things like feels like you're always disappointed in me and always judging me and I'm tired of it. And, (laughs) um, and I want to, you know, and I want to know that you're actually on my side and, and could you, show that to me. Wow. Um, wow. You know, and, and I'm <laughs> even kind of saying like, there's, huh. I'm taking a risk here because mm-hmm. it feels safer to just shut myself off. Just say like, you know what, like you do, you are judgmental, you know, I'm just gonna take care of myself. I'm just gonna ignore you. Um, and so to tell God, you know, what, I'm, I'm taking a risk here. <laughs> And, uh, I know this, this is a lot of hubris, but it's sort of like, and the onus is on you, um, because I've been trying my whole life to get close to you, to, to get your approval. Um, and the way I've been trying so hard, isn't working. So I need, I need you, I need you to show up. And I think there's a precedent for that in, uh, you know, when we read, I was reading, uh, Psalm 22 today and, uh, which is the, the, um, what Jesus references on the cross, but the Psalmist is saying, um, you know, every, everyone's attacking me. Everyone despises me. God, even you have abandoned me. Mm. Um, and then 
then the psalmist says something along the lines of, um, but I know that you save people. I know that you do the right thing, but it's almost, it, to me, it read as a taunt, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, all right, this is what you say you're about. If this is what you're really about, then come save me. And so I think we can walk in that tradition. Um, I think there's a reason that that psalm was recorded for hundreds of years, that we can turn to God and say, I, I, need, to f- I need to feel loved. It doesn't mean that we're going to feel like we're going to be physically safe all the time and bad things won't happen. But there's this dynamic of like, God, I, I, I want to see you show up in my life. I'm leaving that door open, yeah. but I know I can't make that happen. I've tried it, to make it happen. Yeah. And it doesn't, <laughs> and it doesn't happen, work. Right? Yeah, totally. So if, if people were doing that, then let's just go out 10 years from now mm-hmm. and um, masses of people are connecting to Jesus in a, in a healthy way, hearing him uh, rewrite their scripts, so to speak, or even mm-hmm. help them understand how scripture had been twisted, you know, and how, mm-hmm. who he really is. And they're, they're growing, right? This kind of secure attachment with him. Mm-hmm. How would that make you feel? Huh. I think just excited. Um, you know, I wrote this book because I was just like, here are all the things that I found really helpful. And I hope it's helpful to someone else. Um, also, so that um, the people in my life would, uh, you know, I had someone else to talk to about this stuff, <laughs> my friends yeah. and family. They're like, good, you finally <laughs> wrote a book. You can stop talking to that's us about right. it all the time. <laughs> I know that's right. So, and when you now take that feeling and, and talk to your anger mm. and see what that does for you, what, what does the anger, how does the anger inform that at all? Or how does that inform your anger? I'm just curious as yeah. I'm not a nine on the Enneagram and I'm <laughs> fascinated by you all. So yeah, I'm curious, what does that do for you when you think about that? Is this like a subversive way to, you know, tip over the institutional church? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a good, it really is. Um, you know, as a nine, as a peacemaker, there's that worry of like, I'm doing it wrong. I'm upsetting the wrong people. I'm not, maybe I'm not being subversive enough or giving enough of the benefit of the doubt. But when I think about that, and when I think about, um, you know, saying, hey, we've gotten, you've gotten it wrong. We've gotten it wrong um, as a church you know, that, that anger there, I think it creates a lot of space for a lot of people that are like, okay, I thought I was crazy. Um, but yeah, this makes, this makes sense. You know, it makes sense that, Mm -hmm. that I couldn't, you know, that I was sitting in, in a church service thinking like, am I the only one that feels this way? Am I the only one that isn't able to connect with God or, um, you know, feels like my emotions are too much or, um, you know, feels like my uh, mental health is getting worse the longer that I, yes, yes. you know, yes. as I said, the 65 million who have left the church to save their faith. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, that really was um, that for me, uh, you know, I, I was mentioning I was going through this EFT program where there was just, it really was this really welcoming, warm community. 
Mm -hmm. And that was Friday and Saturday. This was uh, most of a year. I would go in for once a month for these trainings. Mm -hmm. And then I would go to church on Sunday and it was whiplash. Yes. To be like, I I remember um, that, uh, I mean, this is where some of the anger comes from. Um, I remember being in that community for two days of just like, yeah, let's like, you know, let's foster a securely attached community where we make space for each other and, and validate each other. And, um, and then I, I went to church that Sunday and, um, the paradox was that, um, the church was going through emotionally healthy spirituality. Um, wow. That book. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Oh, no. Yes, exactly. So, I think that book is great. This is on the pastor. Yes. yes. Yeah. The book's great, but yes. how you, how you digest the book and apply it. Oh, right. So the, the pastor says, God can handle your grief. God can handle your emotions. God can handle whatever it is. As long as your emotions don't make you question whether God is good, then you have to take those emotions and nail them to the cross. Oh my goodness gracious. And I was like, first of all, I don't know what that means. I don't know how to <laughs> nail my emotions to the cross. But secondly, have you read scripture where people all the time are like, God, are you really yeah. good? You know, like I, I mean, Jesus, right, why have exactly. you forsaken me? <laughs> right, yeah? Like, yeah. He wasn't sitting there going, oh, wait, that questions God's goodness. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. And oh, wow. And to oh. recognize like what that is so because here is a a church that's saying hey we want to be emotionally healthy like it 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 almost would have been better if they had just not had any series at all yes um and it really was this whiplash and um and so i think for for people of you know people other people that sat through that sermon to be like yeah that didn't feel right to me either like maybe god is maybe god is good enough maybe god is you know that attachment figure the 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 wiser greater other right that can handle me saying are you really good yeah you know i i think god can totally handle that well crispin you know the logical next step to what you have what you are proposing in this book and breaking down is not only that salvation is healthy attachment to god but that church is healthy attachment to each other. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, these institutional churches, for the most part, right thinking is the goal, mm-hmm. not right relating. Mm-hmm. And we, we talk about being family to each other, but you're really only family if you come to my church. And if you mm-hmm. go to some other church, we're not family anymore. Mm-hmm. So we're actually creating this vocabulary around family and all of this stuff that is very harmful because it's not the real thing. It's it's not real healthy attachment. It's healthy. It's 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 pseudo attachment around some mission or some goal, but not around deep heart to heart connection. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to be fascinated to see where this blows up in the next uh, ten years, as far as the body of Christ learning that if we don't learn to relate healthily to each other and to God together, the church just it's not even the church. I don't even know what it is anymore. Right, and I. One thing that has been really life-giving for me is to go back to the Hebrew scriptures mm-hmm. and understand, uh, you know, how this 
securely attached parent or, you know, uh, God is a parent that's wanting to facilitate secure attachment, how that shows up um, in the Hebrew scriptures, because I don't need to do a podcast on that or something. And if you've got a <laughs> yeah. few podcasts already, just throw that season in there. <laughs> right. <good>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, you know, thinking about that, um, it was really, I, I talk about this in the book, but um I was given this picture of like, you know, Hebrew law is this perfectionistic God that's like, follow these rules or you're out. Um, and I've been really encouraged by reading um, some recent scholarship uh, to like the, the Bible project has a whole series on law that I would suggest. Yeah, um, and yeah. basically they say, yeah, we, we, we can best understand the law as the wisdom of God and God is giving it to people because uh out of generosity out of saying like this is for your good this isn't to keep me happy this yeah. is because i love you and i care about you mm -hmm. and what is really striking is you didn't it wasn't like um when you think about israel it wasn't like oh you have some people that go to synagogue and some people that don't it's like that's the whole community and so god is saying here's my vision for the whole community this isn't my vision for like a group that meets on sunday this is my vision for your family. neighborhood for family right. because they actually celebrated sabbath in their home right yeah <laughs> it was a family like, thing right, yeah. that they did Mm -hmm. Hey, we, I know you have to go because yeah. you've got to get your kid to school this morning, but one, one thing I want to throw out there that might be another conversation, but you also might've addressed it somewhere else. And you can point us in that direction if you have, but I had several of my listeners write, write me personally going, ask him this, okay. <laughs> what they wanted to know was, you know, hope for those who feel stuck. You know, someone who literally has been doing relational brain skill work, they've been doing appreciation work, they've been doing bonding work with a pair, you know, they've been doing all this work, and yet they still feel like they're stuck in their insecure attachment. And, and do you have hope for them? Do you have stories to offer? Where can they go to find these things? Or should you come back on to share them with me? <laughs> what do you say? Yeah, I think um, I do have hope. I think it is a process. Um, I think that we go through different seasons and phases. And, um, and sometimes those, uh, you know, one thing that I that I'll say is that I've just noticed sometimes when we, especially if we grow up in a really rigid, uh, high control religious system, um, it's really hard for our brains to catch up to the healing we've done. Um, so I, I think that that is, there's, there's a lot of different directions to go with that conversation, but I know that um, I see it in my clients. My therapist has told me like, Hey, you're, you're just, you're wanting to, you know, it's, it's this, uh, pattern of like, well, I want to heal. I want to do this. I want to do that. Just like, what's the next thing? An obsession to healing myself even. Exactly. <laughs> like right. I get an obsession to earning a secure attachment. Like I uh -huh. yeah. myself as I am. Right. Right. Yeah. And, wow. and she's been really lovely and just saying, Hey, 
Mm. You know, take a deep breath. You actually have done this healing. Um, wow. And wow. so wow. it's just going to take some time to catch up with it for you, right, the rest yeah. of you to integrate mm -hmm. it into your right, soul. Yeah. That's beautiful. Then, That's right. Beautiful. Yeah. And on a really practical level, um, something that can help your brain catch up is um doing some artwork around it some you know kind of art therapy type work um Ooh, i'm so, loving that i'm loving yeah that. you know it could cool. be looking through a magazine it could be uh doing a little doodle but um to oh, to you. to make a a picture for yourself of what does the healing work i've done what does it look like to me wow we have some artist circles uh that, that train with us so that's that's really exciting to think about that um anyway all right well you have to go so i will let you go for this podcast thank you so much uh chris yeah, really you. for sharing your heart and for for just being here and um and just really following your heart into the work that you're doing it's really really amazing and beautiful for this time thank you thank you Thank you for listening to this episode of Joyfield and Jesus Led. If you want to learn to rest in God's love for you, don't hesitate to get attached to God today. Crispin shares practical exercises that help move us toward a secure attachment. And if you want to belong to a community of God that sees church as growing a secure attachment with God and with each other, then sign up for an intro call with Luke 10 today. The links are in the show notes below. Until next time.